Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome to a big edition of the First Serve. It's a special Sunday night Australian Open preview edition of the First Serve. It is your Home of tennis here on SCN. Of course, we kick-started back for 2021 last uh, Monday night. We'll be in the Monday night time slot right throughout uh, 2021. Ash Barty is our special guest first up. Don't know if we've been the major influence, but I'll tell you what, the signs have just got better as the week has unfolded for the world number one, just getting back into match play, getting that feel of the court under her feet again, and today dispensing of uh, the two-time Grand Slam champion Gabinia Muguruza of Spain. More on that. Uh, coming up, it's a special two-hour edition. I'll tell you what, we have a truckload of prizes to give away. We'd love your contribution, your predictions of what's going to unfold. Uh, the tennis purists out there, no doubt, would have had a good scan of the draw and starting to look ahead to some of the matchups going through the second, third, fourth round. Uh, some of the great matchups. Uh, first up, what appeals to you? Anything you want to put on the tennis agenda? Have you been down watching the ATP Cup, the Melbourne Summer Series this week? one 736 736 or you can jump on the text tonight, 0433981116. Tom Lana from Tennis Australia is going to join us in about 15 minutes' time. It's been one hell of an effort. It'll be a great documentary behind the scenes of putting together a Grand Slam tournament in a pandemic. This isn't uh, just a one- or two-week operation. This has been going for eight or nine months to work through so many scenarios, so many contingencies, and here we are. We've arrived three weeks later than normal, We've arrived February 8th, starting tomorrow. It's been um, a massive effort from TA. So Tom Lana to give us some perspective. Uh, Gordon Reid is actually a, a great story, uh, Gordon Reid. I remember watching him at Wimbledon one year where they were packed to the rafters watching uh, wheelchair tennis. He's going to join us a little bit uh, later on the show. But alongside me in the co-host chairs, first time we've actually had him in the studio, we've had him on the phone at various far-flung places across the globe that tennis players travel to. But he turned pro back in 2006. Uh, Perth has been more of his home in the last eight or nine months. But for a tennis player, uh, you don't get to uh, stay at home, particularly when you're an Australian tennis player. But he reached a career-high 39 in 2018. He was in the Great Ocean Road Open. We'll talk about that this week. It's uh, been a career that's also seen him become a Grand Slam mixed doubles champion back in 2013. Uh, Dominic Team. Uh, I was watching some highlights of that. He's a great win at the Shanghai Masters a few years ago. A bronze medal. Gee, it feels like yesterday. It's a decade ago in Delhi at the Commonwealth Games. And he's worked his career all the way through, as most tennis players do, going on an incredible journey from the Futures, now called the ITF Circuit, to the Challengers, to the Pro Tour. 
like all tennis players, you probably write a, a very good book. Uh, Matthew Ebden, great to have you uh, in the studio and good to spend a couple of hours with you. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's great to be in the studio, see where it all happens. Obviously, I'm, yeah, I'm usually on the phone from, from home or from some hotel room overseas somewhere. Uh, yeah, very exciting. Yeah, just even listening to you say all that stuff brings back so many memories. Yeah, I've thought about maybe writing a book called, you know, On the Road and, and all the crazy stories, all the places we've been to. But, um, you know, it's it's all come to a head here again in Melbourne, starting this week with, you know, the, the, the tour events, the WTA events, and, uh, you know, a jam-packed Aussie Open right ahead of us. So really exciting time for tennis players. Yeah, it is. Can I, can I say, Matt, I mean, I think through, uh, through COVID, a lot of us sat down and probably watched more, you know, sports documentaries, whether it be Netflix or Amazon Prime and... And I watched so many last year that take us inside the walls that we, you know, as a general fan, you can't uh, get into. I mean, tennis has to put one together. I mean, a 10-part series on Netflix. Now, Gordon Reid's going to come on in about an hour's time. So, released this week that uh, Tennis Scotland have actually put together a YouTube series following a a whole range of their players, from up-and-coming juniors to Gordon, who's a star in wheelchair tennis, uh, Johnny O'Mara is playing in the doubles uh, this week following his fortunes. We've spoken to him in the quarantine bubble. The more of this stuff, the better, because when I do this show year in, year out, people probably have a perception. The, the average sports fan out there has a perception that it's all glitz and glamour at the top, and it's far from that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, like you say, last year, even, you know, watching the Michael Jordan documentaries, um, you know, look how gripping they were. And, you know, Michael hasn't played now for, what, 15, 20 years since he retired, and maybe more, even um yeah, and like you say, you know, even even myself traveling around the world over the last 10, 15 years, coming across people from all countries, all yep. ages, yep. Um, you know, all backgrounds, and a lot of them really don't have any idea of, of what it means, I suppose, to be a professional tennis player, what it takes, uh, you know, the, the challenges you go through. Sure, you know, the, the, the bits of glitz and glamour you do get, great, take it and run with it because it's not always there and it's, you know, it's taken a lot of blood, sweat and tears and toil to, to get there. And uh, even when you're there, it's not guaranteed for any longer than a 12-month rolling ranking system, which uh, is brutal, as you've seen over the last 10 years. Mm. Other than the top 10, 15, 20, you know, anyone, you know, outside of that, their rankings move up and down like a yo-yo year to year, Um, you know, the brutal, the points system even. So I I couldn't agree more. Uh, Yes, 100%. You know, like you said, I've seen a few little YouTube miniseries and stuff. Obviously, Andy Murray's uh, resurfaced one on Amazon. That you know, was brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah. well received worldwide. Yeah, I think Tennis Channel didn't they do? Uh, this is your tennis life. Yes, even Grothy. Yes, modded. yes, Grothy. I think did some something there. Yeah. Um. You know, they're great. But you know, we don't really get Tennis Channel here in Australia. Mm. So it would be great if you know something more global, even with YouTube nowadays. Yeah. But even something, um, you know, more official, I suppose, and that could even be on on file or archive for for tennis fans, players, coaches families, you know, everyone around the world. Mm. Um, tennis is such a big sport, so much history, so much tradition, such a huge following worldwide. And probably even in the last 20 years, you know, an explosion of even more and more countries, you know, all around Europe, the small countries, like we say, Moldova, <laughs> Georgia. And we saw East... that ATP Cup exactly, highlighted that last year. Exactly. Team Moldova, team, you know, Bulgaria. D- Dimitrov's always been the star, but yeah. they had all these other players. Exactly. And, you know, two of my very good friends, even Radu Albot, Moldovan, yeah. had a team. Uh, Nikola Basilashvili from Georgia had a team. And What's uh, Radu's dad's name? Um, oh, we we loved him last year. Oh, so I, I, yeah, I, I, exactly. Introduced yeah, the teams yeah, out yeah. on the Ken Rosewell Arena. Yeah, no dad read his dad very well. Of, he doesn't speak swag, much English. He had a bit of a swagger going too. He liked yeah. the team out. Yeah, so you know, I think that's just you know, even South America, all those little countries are all dotted yeah. with players. You know, they all have one or two at least good players in the top hundred even now. Mm. 
And, you know, there's, I don't, I can't, don't know exactly how many countries are represented in the top 100, but if you took the top 100 or top 200 even, men's yep. and women's, singles and doubles, mm. you're going to find, I think, you know, 50 to 100 countries yeah. represented. It's and uh, a game, so I mean, what? once upon a time, it was Australians who were dominating back in those Halcyon days. And uh, obviously it's a bit like, you know, Australian cricket back then when it was sort of Australia versus England or Australia versus, uh, you know, the West Indies and, and obviously all these nations emerging tennis. It's tenfold now. I mean, it's it's tough. It's brutal out there for the Aussies to, um, you know, crack the small margins between being ranked there and being ranked there. Yeah, 100%. You know, two things come to mind when you say that. Obviously the Davis Cup first, you know, when I debuted, we look back at the history and all that stuff. So special to me. I love tradition. I love yep. history. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, the first 50 Davis cups or whatever it was, was between, um, you know, Australia and, and the USA, or, you know, we've got the most wins, USA and Australia had the most, most wins. And, and then nowadays you look at, you know, there's Spain, there's Serbia and, you know, these countries are almost unstoppable in a way. And, um, you know, just, yes, just so well represented, but, but with that brings such an exposure for tennis worldwide and mm. the audience now with, with online, and our sport is growing and growing and growing every year. The numbers are there. And, uh, yeah, it's a great sport to be part of and, you know, one I'm very happy to be involved in. There's plenty to tap into, Edson. I'm glad we've got two hours. Normally I have an hour and we're trying to cram in uh, two hours into one. But we'd love you to be a part of it. I just want to rip, uh, let go of the prizes that are in my hand that I'd love to give to you tonight. There's only one place for you to go tennis shopping. That is Tennis Direct. They're great supporters of ours, Australia's favourite online tennis store. They've got fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. So just go to their website, tennisdirect.com.au. First serve listeners can get their 10% discount. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. So we are giving away tonight. We're going to have a quiz later in the show. So we've got a couple of these to give away. But for our best caller tonight, in conjunction with Yonex, we've got a prize pack to the value of over $500. So a Yonex V-Core 2021 100 tennis racket, cap, socks, a tub of the super grab, over grips. So we've got all that to give away. Thanks to Sunbless Sunscreens, uh, their first serve ton of, uh, tennis sunscreen. I've got a box at home. It's going gangbusters. So I've got that to give away, which is specifically designed for tennis. So you can order yours at sunblessedsunscreens.com.au. Just use that discount code SEM. We'll look after you. Also, thanks to Australia's hype sneaker label, Athletican, which is available exclusively online at athletikan.com. Just use the discount code FIRSTSERVE15. You get 15% off. It's like going to the gift shop uh, tonight. A uh, pair of sneakers for you tonight at the value of $130. Now, Ralph Lauren, now I'm doing some court announcing, Matt. Normally, there's no uh, instruction on uniform. You, you know, usually suit up a little bit. I had to go into Ralph Lauren today, get all the gear, and I'll tell you what, I'm not sure how I'm gonna, quite going to uh, scrub up in the Ralph Lauren uh, tomorrow. But the uh, Athletic and Sneakers are a beauty, $129 they're valued at. And I ran into the author today of the Daphne Ackhurst book, yes. uh, The Woman Behind the Trophy. Of course, every year we... Yes give the uh, Daphne Ackhurst Memorial Trophy to the female champion. So we have six copies of those to give away tonight. She Great. played back in the 20s and 30s. Yeah, no, very familiar with that name, that trophy, um, you know. What a, what a great person to have behind all the history. When uh, tennis was extremely graceful uh, know, right? back yep. then in the uh, the yep. black and white. So all those prizes to give away, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, 736 736 or on the text 0433981116. Matt, you've been in and around Melbourne Park. Let's maybe go, let's go back a step. So this year, so different that the Australians had to jet off to qualify. Give me a little snapshot of that experience. You come home, you've got to quarantine. 
You're then free to hit Melbourne Park. It's a very different-looking Melbourne Park for this year's AO. Yeah, look, I'll probably even take you back even a few months before that, I suppose, to middle of last year, you know, when the tour got cancelled due to COVID. Um, you know, there's whispers of, is Wimbledon getting cancelled or even the French moved all of a sudden? You know, we saw the French all of a sudden take a new date. Uh, Wimbledon then cancelled, and we were thinking, okay, is something going to happen in July or August? Is US Open going to be cancelled? You know, we're just all week by week, what's happening, what's happening? U.S. Open, you know, then went ahead just, and uh, and French after that, um, and you know, obviously saw some notable Aussies. Ash Barty decided not to go and play. Nick mm. as well. Mm. Sam Stozer. Um, in me too. I also decided not to go, partly because I didn't have the ranking to get in the tournaments I wanted to play, but also I wasn't thrilled to, you know, have to come back and do two weeks hard quarantine as well, unless yep. it was really worth it or had the opportunities. Um, so, you know, that was the, the situation a lot of us found ourselves in. Um, and obviously the guys who did go that, you know, they went and spent three to four months and, uh, in, in bubbles and not great environments. I mean, they got to play and everything, but, you know, I heard a lot of the stories and, you know, they were stuck in their room or their, or the courts and that's it. And, you know, for three or four months, that's not that easy, you know, traveling full time at the best of times. Well, the game's demanding enough, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And travel's demanding enough. Never Mm. never mind, you know, you can't go out to eat. You can't go ever take a day off. Can't go sightsee. Can't Mm. go enjoy, you know, a local city. Can't go see someone. Can't do anything. So, and that was also going into the back end of the year in Europe, winter. um, And then, you know, all those those guys and girls had to come back and do hard quarantine in, you know, late November or December. And, uh, you know, stuck in... You know, in a, inside a room for two weeks, you know, usually with no fresh air. So, yeah, myself included, cho- chose not to do that. So, then uh, I sort of started looking. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll happy to start up in the new year, January. Mm. Obviously, we're we're fortunate being Australians that we can start the year here. And you know, I was I wasn't alone in that decision. There was you know a few other Aussies, as I mentioned. Yeah, I thought, okay, let's wait. By the turn of the year, hopefully, some improvement, COVID-wise start the schedule and then, okay, obviously my ranking was down a bit. So, okay, probably going to have to qualify. Um, or actually I was hoping to go play a wildcard playoff. And, and <laughs> so there was a tournament meant to be in, in Sydney. Yes. Yeah. Um, they were going to call it not a wildcard playoff as such, but an Australian closed championship. Mm. In a December? Exactly. Like, yeah. 20, I was meant to leave even on Boxing Day, yeah. I think 28th of December for about four or five days in yep. Sydney. And I was two times had the click of a button to book some flights even for that. And, uh, you know, I'd obviously been training and, and working towards it. And I knew I had a shot there to, to go and, you know, win some matches and, and try and maybe earn a wild card so I didn't have to play qualifying. And then obviously started hearing whispers of qualifying might be in Dubai. Mm. And uh, I was like, what? Like, you know, that can't be right. Um, you know, surely that's not going to happen. <laughs> All the Aussie players are saying, hang on, we spend so much time yeah. abroad, we get a little window in Australia. <laughs> In the yeah. month of January, you're going to send us away. Yeah, that was that was a little bit of a shock to the system, and that uh, that really kicked my kicked my you know my my behind into some extra high intensity training to get ready for December to to try and win a wild card um, type of thing or, or perform well, and, you know, and get some matches in case I had to qualify, mm. but um, to avoid having to go to Dubai, which we only found out became Doha about five days before we had to go. Yeah. So that was meant to be in Dubai. And, uh, you know, about five days before they said, uh, uh-uh, it's, uh, it's in Doha. So, yep. okay. All right. Doha. Okay. You know, change again. Why not? Um, so then, yeah, then, uh, off we go. But, you know, I've got to say tennis Australia, they helped tremendously. They, they updated us weekly. Craig 
was on calls with uh, with us and all the players, even even personally and messaging and and emails that you know the the team there, Danny and um, everyone involved. Mm. Uh, you know, they helped us organize the flights there, all the logistics, the travel exemptions. Um, so you arrived how long before your first match? Well, about four days, I think okay. it was. Uh, we were not allowed to arrive any earlier yeah. because... So you're being tested every day. Yeah, so so yep. there was only... We were only granted exemption into Doha yep. from, I think it was the 4th of January, roughly, okay. which was about three or four days before the event. Yeah. And yeah, so when we arrived there, we land early in the morning. Um, you have to get a test before you can clear customs. So you go and get your test, put that through. And then also they've got a, you know, like a COVID safe app there, which is required by law mm. that everyone has it on their phone and open and running at all times or else you're not allowed in the country. They'll, you'll go to jail. So they forced me before I even entered the country to, to buy one of their SIM cards, put it in, open the app up, right. show me it was running before okay. they would let me through immigration. So yeah, amongst all that, got in, you know, hotel bubble and all that, and uh, then you know, got a few days of practice and and got going in a bubble. So just the hotel, just the courts, to sort of protect it. And yeah, every three four days, everybody had tests. Um, you know, on arrival, no one could leave their room until they had that first negative test. Yep. And uh, and then off we went. And you know, it was quite an amazing logistical effort for that to happen and pull off. And I think it went about as well as it could. Uh, we, we didn't have ball kids in the end, so. Okay, that's it was a bit of a shock for uh, you know some or a lot of us, but um, that was the nature of you know they weren't able to obviously train up ball kids and, and mm. quarantine them and prove mm. they were negative and everything. So yeah. it was like going back to uh, when it all started. Exactly, exactly. But you know, late last year I played a couple of club matches even in Perth, no ball yeah. kids. Some guys were playing UTR events, yeah. uh, no ball kids. So that was fine. But I must say, all the players actually helped each other quite a bit with the balls. You know, pass them all six balls, put them just behind you when you serve. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, it worked out okay. So, no, it was it was a good effort. Just before we break, Tom Lana coming up from Tennis Australia to set the scene for uh, tomorrow. So you've come back here, had to go through the quarantine process. Um, obviously, there were the Australians who uh, didn't go uh, over to uh, Doha and Dubai who were able to sort of, I suppose, have a normal preparation. But do you feel like the players have had a, a, a very... Um, tough preparation or are they that conditioned and seasoned that they a lot of them have done a pre-season they do come into a, a two-week situation a lot of them didn't expect to have to go into the hard lockdown uh, due to the the situation with a couple of cases do you think they're at a major disadvantage or are they so well conditioned as athletes that they can cope with it yeah I think uh they can cope with it for sure I, I think you know the the Aussie guys and girls who were able to just stay in Australia have the extra weeks at home and training and, and start the tournaments and that as normal, I think for sure have an advantage, uh, 100%. You know, the the quarantine for a lot of the players or most of the players yep. was, uh, you know, up to five hours a day out of your room, but it's still 19 hours a day in your room. And actually four of those 14 days, even for the ones that were allowed out, were actually locked in our room. So the first three days, nobody was allowed out uh, and the last day as well. So only 10 of the 14 days we were allowed out for five hours a day. So... It's uh, it's still a lot of time, 19 hours a day in the room, um, you know, obviously tennis players taking care of our bodies, even the fresh air thing, just to come outside your body, the oxygen in your muscles takes on different feelings, for sure takes a few days and, you know, so you get two hours on court, 90 minutes gym, a little bit of time to eat and then boom, slap mm. back in your back in your room, close the door, yep. see you tomorrow, you know. It's uh, and that's only 10 of the 14 days. So everyone had four days of the hard lockdown and, and you know, not to mention the 
70 odd players that had the 14 days hard quarantine. Um, for sure, it's a disadvantage, and uh, it, it's also the stress of, of all that dealing with all that, not just on the body, but just dealing with all that hassle and you know probably that that extra stress. Um, but on in hindsight, then coming out of it, you know, a lot of those players performed well this week, mm. and uh, maybe it gives us people some perspective, some appreciation, takes a bit of pressure off themselves, and you know gives them some gratitude and, and perspective. I think can always help. So uh, it's going to be an interesting AO, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe some surprise set results. There's plenty to pick apart tonight. We're going to take a good look at the men's draw, the women's draw, the doubles draw has come out. Uh, we'll take a look back at the ATP Cup, uh, Russia superb uh, this week. Uh, the Melbourne Summer Series, Ash uh, winning uh, today. And I think uh, when I left, uh, Sinner and Trevalia, the two Italians were still going at it in the Great Ocean Road uh, open. So we'll get across uh, that. Lead to the wild card has been a fascinating talking point. Uh, Justin Gimmelstop, a fairly uh, divisive figure in uh, tennis, has done a podcast in the last couple of weeks, a man who was uh, pretty powerful at one stage wearing a number of different hats. We'll have a chat about that as well. Plenty of prizes to give away. The quiz a little bit later on, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. They'd have a general chat to us. But after the break, we're going to bring in Tom Larner because uh, he and the team, just parking the tent at Melbourne Park, they've had no sleep for the best part of maybe seven or eight months. So Hume Tennis and Community Centre, it's one of Australia's premier tournament and training venues, just 15 minutes from Melbourne Airport, 16 ITF-sized courts and accommodation available. That's where they've had the wheelchair championships this week. It's a mini Melbourne park. It's a great setup. It's ideal for the travelling coaching groups and families. If you're coming from interstate, uh, check out humetennis.com.au. It's our special AO edition of the First Serve. First Serve Tennis Sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. It's our special Australian Open preview show. Heading into day one action of the Australian Open on a different date. It's just a different time that we're in, but we are uh, certainly thankful that we have another Grand Slam on our doorstep and one that is uh, right in our own uh, backyard, particularly as Australians are involved in tennis who travel around the globe to have one so close to home. We're uh, pretty blessed. It is a different looking site. I left there about an hour and a half ago and there was this young 19-year-old. You've heard me mention him plenty of times, Yannick Sinner, on this show. Um, Whilst I was in transit, has won his second ATP title uh, today. Won in Sofia on the indoor hard court last year. The youngest player to win two ATP titles since Novak Djokovic, who was 19 back in 2006. So um, he is going places in a hurry. We'll come back and have a talk to uh, a talk about yep. uh, Yannick Sinner. Matt Ebden is alongside me in the studio, of course, Australian professional tennis player. Let's get down to Tennis HQ. Tom Lahn has been good enough to give us a few minutes. The Tennis Australia Chief Operating Officer. What a what a time for the TA team who probably can't believe tomorrow is actually going to come with all the preparation. Tom, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Gee, it's been a build-up like no other, Tom. Uh, I imagine you sit down tonight, the team, and you take a breath and we've got there. Oh, we're really, really pleased to be here and just have tennis this week and know we're going to tomorrow, you know, with a, in a COVID-free environment at the moment. And I think the players are really focused on tennis now. And, and uh, yeah, we're really happy to be here and happy that we kick off tomorrow. Yeah, amazing, mate. Just uh, oh, from, a, from a player's perspective, obviously, this last few weeks, but only the last seven, six, seven months even, I know you guys have been planning all sorts of contingencies and, uh, you know, even everything you've had to deal with 
on the fly these last three weeks is uh, is quite incredible. So uh, on well, behalf of everyone I know, thank you, and you know we're extremely grateful. And uh, yeah, so exciting that tomorrow is Monday, and you know day one of Aussie, and and here we go. So so well done, and thank you. And uh, how how is everything? You know now that a lot of the dust has settled after the you know the quarantine issues, even the you know the the big scare we obviously had three four days ago where we all had to get tested. Um, you know, now that it is Sunday, the, I guess we always usually upload even pictures and say it's the calm <laughs> before the storm. Um, is the storm settled? How are things on the inside? And, you know, obviously leading into day one, um, you know, where are things at now? Yeah, look, I think uh, we're ready to go. You know, we've had a week of tennis and, and like any year, obviously leading into the Australian Open, we've had generally had qualifying. But um, every, you know, all our all our challenges are smoothed out and we've had crowds this week and, and tomorrow really is just, uh, obviously, it's the kickoff to the Australian Open and, a, and a, the Grand Slam. But certainly for us, uh, we're really ready and, and ready to have uh, big fans, big you know, fans on site. And, and just even today with the HB, uh, HB Cup final, having fans here and, and for the players to have that for the first time in 10 months, uh, even the, the Russian, both the Russian team and, and the Italian team both commented just how great it was to have fans in the stands. So to have that atmosphere and, and know that's coming tomorrow and we're going to have fans on site and... And for the global tour to kick back in is, is is really exciting, I think, for everyone. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, even on some of the outside courts, playing the playing the, the ATP events, you know, having a few fans, uh, not not so many just yet, but you know, a few starting to trickle in, and then obviously seeing the ATP Cup, pretty you know, well supported, a lot of fans in there, great atmosphere for the events. You know, we saw Novak going nuts, uh, getting involved with the crowd, and uh, you know, just bringing all the the team spirit with all the guys. Obviously, the final today. Uh, where are the crowd numbers at for those listening in in the coming week? Um, can everyone come? How many can come? Um, just personally, you know, obviously with the numbers slowly growing from this last week, I felt not everyone knew if they could come and that how much was available and what will the access be like. So just for everyone listening, um, you know, can they come tomorrow? Is it is it easy access? Is it easy to come? Are they welcome? Um, what's the outlook there? Yeah, sure. So we can have 30,000 people across the site um, each day. And so absolutely people can come. We've still got tickets available. Uh, they we've split the sign into three zones. So a Rod Laver Arena zone, a, a Margaret Court Arena zone and a JCA zone. And we have um, people coming to all those different zones. You, you need to come into a specific entry. But we've got, you know, we start off the first Grand Slam of the year and, and just the, the, the field, obviously amazing and, and have... Uh, Serena Williams and Osaka and team on Rod Laver Arena and, and uh, we've got Nick Kyrgios kicking off on, on John Kane Arena. You spoke about young Yannick Sinner and playing Shapovalov tomorrow night oh. at Margaret Court Arena. So oh. there's a lot of matches going on yeah. and, uh, and it, yeah, every, there's tickets available. Uh, people can come down and, and, and come in and watch the tennis. So, Tom, 30,000 within the precinct. And we know it's a big precinct. It's got a, a, a big footprint, the Australian Open. Within the three main stadiums, Rod Laver, John Kane and... Margaret Court. Am I right in saying it's about 25% capacity within those stadiums? Can you just uh, clarify that for me? Yeah, sure. So it's around, it depends on, on each stadium, but it's around 25 to 50, up to 50% across those stadiums. So okay. we'll have, we'll have um, you know, we had uh, three, four, 4,000 people in for the Australian ties with the HB Cup this week into, yep. into Rod Laver Arena and, and we'll have, uh, you know, up to 7,000 uh, in Rod Laver Arena at night. Uh, we'll have you know five thousand Margaret Court uh, and 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 five thousand across um, John Kane Arena as well, and obviously we have day and night sessions. But but we'll have a, you know what's really exciting is that we know with with those crowds we'll have a great atmosphere in the bowl, and and uh, it's just the best way to watch tennis. Obviously after the last ten months having fans in the stands.
Oh yeah, I agree. You know, as a player, even to have a home slam with you know all those all these big stadiums, the options even of roofs, uh, you know, the fan mm. fan viewing and the atmosphere, and uh, you know the conditions for fans are incredible in there. Um, so you know, and those those courts are going to be jam packed all day long. You know, start to finish with amazing matches. I know that for you know all the days of the tournament. And what about the outside courts? I know you mentioned those three zones for those main courts. Can people come and watch? Uh, you know, the outside courts. Obviously, the two to four day first two to four days are some of the hottest uh, tickets in town worldwide. Even known well, well known for people to come and and watch hundreds of great players, even on all the outside courts. What's the what's the deal there? Yeah. Yeah, there's so much quality on the outside courts. And so the outside courts uh, are linked to the Margaret Court Arena zone. So anyone who buys a ticket to Margaret Court Arena can also access all our Western courts uh, from 1573 1573 Arena uh, through to Court 15. Uh, so people who buy a ticket for the day session can come in, watch uh, watch what's on in MCA, but also go out to the outdoor courts and watch what's on there. Great. But importantly too, anyone who buys a night session ticket can also come in during the day. Perfect. And then uh, as it gets to the night session, they'll be able to then enter the night session. Great. Yep. The, other, um, the other arena is John Kane Arena, and we also have a couple of courts out, courts 16 and 17 that are linked in that zone. Yep. Yes, so I if you're coming along to watch, yeah, to watch Nick tomorrow night or, or Isla, Tom Lanovic during the day, you'll be able to get out to court 16 and 17 and see some additional matches as well. Yep. Tom, uh, I mean, we could spend two hours with you. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be fascinating to uh, just know everything that's happened behind the scenes to try and put together a tournament of this magnitude during these uh, unbelievable times we're in. And thankful we're in Australia compared to uh, the rest of the world and the way uh, COVID is through Europe in the United States. But is there one thing that stands out in, in all the preparation, the contingencies, the plan A, the plan B, is having to modify? Is, it, is there something that stands out along this journey that has presented the biggest challenge of all, the biggest hurdle? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, there's, we, we obviously were impacted right at the back end of the Australian Open last year and, and we had some cases, uh, you know, in Australia at that point in time and, and we none of us understood what was going to happen over the next few months and and I think the planning as we went right through from March through to November, there's so much work done by so so many people across across the organisation and, and you really didn't get a sense of where we're going to be right through to that time. So that was probably the biggest challenge. I think the most pleasing thing has just been probably the, the way that the players have uh, understood what's happening in Australia and, and really after coming through the quarantining, really refocused on tennis, but just become really aware of, of you know, the, what's, how we've managed the situation and and respectful of that and respectful of what the community uh, have gone through. Uh, and that's been, it's been really, it's, it's been really interesting to see the mind shift of the, of the playing group and, and them understanding that. I know Matt and, and the Australian players have been really critical in that, in, 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 in them talking to them and, and, and taking them through this journey as well. So that it's been, it's been a great, it's been a great turnaround, I think, from the playing group. And I'm really, really, as I said, just glad we're, we're kicking off tomorrow. Well, I don't know when you're going to leave tonight. Do you get a, just a slight early leave past the night before, or is it just, I mean, you just nose to the grind still tonight? Well, I just think we've just actually completed the last match on today of, our, of the Melbourne Summer Series. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll um, get a good night's sleep tonight and, and be ready ready to kick off tomorrow. Yeah, how, mu- how much sleep have you and Craig had this <laughs> last week, Tom? <laughs> Well, I think it was, what was it, matter? it was Wednesday night, I think. Yeah. it was That was the, the tough night yeah. when uh, Daniel Andrews had a press conference at yeah. 10.30. But, but no, we're good. We're, we're, uh, the right. team's great. And, and everyone's just so pumped uh, yeah. that we're finally here and, and it's happening. Good. Tom, appreciate it. We're looking forward to it. Can't wait. Yeah, well done. You deserve Thanks, it. Brett. And, uh, yeah, here we go. Tom Lanner. There he yeah, is, uh, the Tennis Australia Chief Operating Officer. Uh, he, uh, Craig Tyler. It's a big team.
who uh, are responsible for putting together an event like an Australian Open. Uh, thanks to Tennis Direct. Make sure you do your shopping there. Tennis Australia's Tennis Australia's uh, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices. Go to their website, tennisdirect.com.au. Use that first serve uh, 10 promo code and it'll all be delivered to your door. We're going to come back, get into the ATP Cup, the Melbourne Summer Series. We'll wrap up all that. We're going to look at the draws going forward and, and cast an eye what's going to happen over the next uh, fortnight. All to come here on the First Serve. First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group. Your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. A special Australian Open preview edition. Uh, Brett Phillips, uh, Matthew Ebden in the studio alongside me. And we'll talk about Matty's week coming up. We'll get stuck into the draw ATP Cup in just a moment. And also the Melbourne Summer Series all uh, wrapping up today. Um, only about an hour ago, the final event, Yannick Sinner, the 19-year-old, uh, getting a victory. one 736 736 Got the Yonex prize pack to give away, the Sunbless sunscreen. We've got the Athletic and Sneakers. We've got a copy of Daphne Akers' uh, book, The Woman Behind the Trophy, of course, which the female champion gets every year. Ryan's out in Sunbury has given us a call. G'day, Ryan. How you going, Brett? Going well. What do you got for us? Uh, no, I just wanted to ring up and say... Um how pumped I am that the Oz Open's going ahead and it's just been a great effort by Tennis Australia to get this up and yeah I've got my tickets for Thursday I've got a Margaret Court ticket which means I can go see all the outside matches because that's what I like to do in the first week so you you, you chose and that Ryan or that was what was available no I chose that okay. yeah I just read up uh, on the website that, that which one's you know that I so I knew that if you bought a Margaret Court ticket, you could go okay. see some of the outside courts. So that's the one I wanted. So yeah, I'm just pumped with that. And um, and I've been going since I, I've probably been going to the Australian Open since I was about ten or eleven. And I'm yeah. now thirty eight. And I've only missed one year, so I didn't want to miss it. So what, what year was that? Uh, I mean, curious. I think it was two thousand and eight because I was backpacking in Europe. The only time I missed it. 2009, yeah. I think. Novak, was it when Novak won early That was days? Novak's first win, yeah. Against I remember Sonder. watching mm. the final against Sonner. I was okay. in France. So I remember yeah. watching it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and that was it. Yeah, I'm just pretty excited. So. Well done, mate. We're, we're really excited too. Obviously, as players, this is Matt here. Nice, nice to meet you, mate. And uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for coming, supporting the event all these years. Obviously, for us as tennis players, you know, we're entertainers at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, you're right, Tennis Australia has done amazing. You know, there was obviously a bit of bad press in the beginning, but, you know, most of that's changed now. The players have, you know, got some perspective and got to grips with everything, and we're all happy to be here. You know, everyone is, is yep. really appreciative and, and really respectful. The, the Spanish guys in particular, I was talking to Feli Lopez in the change room the other day, and he was like, man, you guys have done the best in the world of this pandemic. He's like, in Spain, we are absolutely in trouble for, for lack of better yeah, words. Right. And, Talk um, about du you know. durability. Is it the 75th consecutive Grand Slam? I think there you go. and he's playing Lee 2. There you go, Billy Lopez. Yeah, so, um, you know, yeah. great singles player and doubles player. But, you know, he was just, you know, all the players yeah. respecting the work of Australia, our country, of what we've done. So, yeah, great event coming yeah. up. Enjoy it. Good on you, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to put you back to Jed. We'll, uh, we'll dig yeah. out a prize here. We've got uh, some uh, sunbless sunscreen. We'll get all your details and we'll sort you out with the prizes. And, uh uh, keep listening because it's ball by ball on SEM uh, for the next uh, fortnight. The first serve from six tomorrow night. Then, of course, 
uh, every night. We, we will be covering the action. We'll start with Nick Kyrgios tomorrow night. I think Lizette Cabrera's got Simona Hallett on uh, Rod Laver Arena, so we'll uh, touch on that as well. I just want to touch on Rafael Nadal. You mentioned the Spaniards. This is an interesting situation. So we saw him pop up in Adelaide after being in the two weeks quarantine. There's a good hit out with Dominic Team. Sits out the ATP Cup, a little bit of lower back stiffness. I think you've seen him training and he's done a press conference today where he hasn't sounded overly positive about everything of what could happen over the next uh, fortnight. Yeah, interesting. You know, I, I go back probably 10 days to when we finished quarantine and sitting in my hotel room that Friday, I was still in quarantine. I had locked in my room all day and I was, you know, couldn't wait to watch some tennis on TV. I watched him play Dominic Team mm. and um, was really impressed. You know, I think even this uh, Aussie Open, the ball is maybe even playing slightly quicker. Yep. And for him to come out and, and you know, towel up Dominic team in a good quality match. I know just an exhibition. It looked good. Was uh, was good. Yeah. So I was quite surprised. Uh, even Monday evening, I, I was practicing out at NTC courts, and he was practicing next to me uh, in the evening and before to play Australia the next day. So I thought, oh, you know, he's getting a hit in and the evening evening time slot, the conditions, and uh, you know, he was wailing the ball, just absolutely crushing it. And I thought, okay, here we go. So tomorrow night will be interesting. And then yeah, I was I was kind of surprised to hear that the next day he he wasn't going to play. Um, you know, obviously saw him around the change rooms, everything and, um, doing everything he does, but you know, he's such a consummate professional. He must just not have been in, in position to play. And, uh, yeah, his presser today, you know, we ha- had news that, um, he's going to play and, uh, but doesn't feel so great. And you know, that, that is a bit the nature too. He's, he's 30, I think he's a year or two older than me, 34, 34 going yep. on, you know, about 34. Mm. So, you know, in, in our thirties, I mean, we're, we're in good shape, we're fit, healthy, strong athletes, but not everything is a given, you know, we're not 19, 20 years old anymore. You do have to deal with, you know, bit the back, bit the knees, bit the shoulders. So, uh, you know, it, it is a bit of the sign of the times, but you know, one thing for Rafa, we were just looking at his draw. Um, you know, he's got a relatively favorable draw for the first two rounds, at least to, to sort of feel his way through. And, and if he can get stuck into the tournament, well, he's it, on the same side as the demon. If the demon can get through go. to the fourth round, that would be the matchup. Yeah, so you know, playing Laszlo Dejer and then potentially the winner of two qualifiers, an experienced campaigner in Troiki and then Michael Moe, I think that probably gives him that, you know, match or two to feel his way into the tournament well, without Dan too Evans much threat. Also uh there, the uh the Brit who's had a win today in the Melbourne summer series defeating Felix Auger Aliasim to, uh, I've, I've lost track of which trophies we're getting yeah. out uh, this week. I'll come back to that. Yeah, but, the Murray uh, River, that the, one, I the think. S- the Slice King, Dan Evans. Yes, yeah, no, I know Dan well. Played him on grass in England, yeah. actually. Yeah, had a slice <laughs> off there. Um, a great effort by Dan. It was his first title. I think he made a, his first final some years back in Sydney before yep. he got his ban. And, uh, you know, he's, he's recovered so well to, to get back up the rankings his last two, three years and playing great quality tennis. And, you yeah, know, we said the, the effectiveness of the Slice and attacking tennis – um, you know, the ball seems to be holding a little stronger. The courts are, are definitely not slow, which I felt maybe last year or the year before as a result of the ball, the courts that were a bit slower. The, this year seemed to be a little bit quicker. So not really surprised that Dan gets through and wins that one. But against another young hotshot, Felix Auger Ogusalam, if that's the right pronunciation. Assume, yeah. yeah, FAA, as he's better known. <laughs> Just go with that. Um, you know, it was his third final that he's lost in a row. Yeah. Um, you know, I read something about that last night and, yeah. you know, he was sort of saying, oh, the last two times, I think he played Monfils and somebody else who was, you know, maybe favored mm. to beat him, but this one he was maybe favored to win. And he's, you know, he's lost two and three again. It's, it's, he's such a great player. He was such a great junior, such a good up and coming prospect. 
But that's a little bit disappointing for me for him to lose two and three. You know, uh, yeah. Dan Evans is a great player. If that was, you know, three in the third or four and six or mm. something like that, mm. that's okay. But for him to lose two and three and third final in a row, it's not the best sign for me. Where on the flip side, on the other tournament, you've got Yannick Sinner, yeah. you know, 19 years old, coming up. Ooh. This guy's real deal. I've, he walked I've, past you know, me today, and yeah. I mean, he's still growing into his body. But, you know, some young athletes may have just got a bit of presence about them. He's yeah. got some presence. He really does. And But what really uh, impresses me about him, so he has that presence, but he's super humble, and he carries yeah. himself really well. Very well said. He knows how yeah. good he is. He knows he's a potential future number one. Yeah. But he also knows that nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is a given. Mm. He has to keep his head down, work super hard. There's hundreds of players he's going to have to beat over the next five years to get to world number one. And, you know, it, it takes a heck of a lot. So mm. he's got a great team. Ricardo Piatti is his coach, yeah. very experienced. He's uh, made every player better. Exactly. You know, he was with Novak yeah. uh, at, at times with Richard Gasquet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he has his own academy there in, yeah. in Italy. Um, and so, you know, he's very well... Uh, looked after so yeah for me he's he's really the real deal just his game his body the way he's taking care of everything no doubt speaking of tennis academies uh, we've got uh, great support of course from kdv tennis academy live train and study on the gold coast in romans and now open at kdvsport.com right opposite metricon stadium you can stay on site you can train you can go to the gym you can bring the whole family it's Great. A tremendous setup. We'll uh, squeeze in a break. We'll come back. Your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I'll get to a couple on the text as well. It's amazing. We've got two hours and we're almost uh, an hour down. There's plenty happening. We're building up to day one of the Australian Open tomorrow. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group. Your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back, uh, Brett Phillips. Uh, Matt Ebden alongside me tonight's our special Australian Open preview show. We'll be back with the first serve, 6 o'clock inside the bunker at Rod Laver Arena tomorrow night. And then, of course, ball-by-ball -ball, uh, commentary. Uh, Matt from Lara, Matt, has sent us through our uh, text. Uh, Brett and Matt, just curious... What was with Ash Barty's trophy? I'll be honest. I found it strange. I've never seen anything like it. I don't watch a lot of tennis. Are these trophies normal? A pig? Question mark. Now, I didn't see the presentation ceremony today. Now, we know that we've had the Gippsland Trophy, the Yarravelli Classic, the Grampians uh, Trophy, which uh, the two ladies, uh, Annette Contivate and, and Lee, shared today. I was there when the photographers were there. They only played the two semis, ran out of time to play the final. So they've got this sort of shot where both has got a hand on it. That's a unique situation. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I saw I saw the picture of Ash and, and her trophy. Uh, amazing effort for Ash, you know, straight off the bat to win the title. So what's your description of it? Just well, for those that have missed it. Um, Ash's trophy, yeah, it's a lot of wood. Right. Uh, I saw that and I said, it, it said something about this is going straight in the pool room. So okay. it was a bit of like a wood sculpture. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't quite tell. It. No, yeah, it was a wood plaque with okay. a wooden animal on. Did you say it's a pig? Well, um, no, there was maybe an assertion. It yeah, like it's, it's some, it's some sort range. of animal in a wood sculpture <laughs> right. carving on a wood plaque. <laughs> and I think it said the Yarra Valley Classic, so that must have been the one she won. So great for her to win an Aussie event. So just on that, uh, thank you, Jed, at the back, doing a magnificent job. Information on the trophies from the Melbourne Summer Series. All trophies were designed by local Indigenous artists. Each singles champion's trophy aligns to a native animal. There you go. He won the Wombat Trophy. It was a Wombat. There okay, yeah, go. yeah. It looked more like Thanks, that. Jed. Yeah, it was, it was in wood, beautifully made, and uh, yeah. 
great addition to her trophy cabinet Aboriginal for sure. people believe the wombat held the knowledge above ground and below. So okay. there you go. We'll get on to Ash. We are getting to Ash. Yep. Uh, ATP Cup, we need to cover that off. I covered the Russians out on John Kane Arena this week. Boy, oh boy. I reckon Rublev and Medvedev. Now, these two, I think, are going north in a big hurry. I'm not about to suggest that they can upstage one Novak Djokovic, who has to be the front runner, and then you work out what happens around that, unless Novak has a bad fortnight, but he is the king of Melbourne Park, so he deserves that top uh, billing, of course. But, gee, Rublev, um, he doesn't know how to play with any subtlety, and there's intensity there. So he walks out against, and you, you'll you'll obviously have some intel here. He walks out against Fabio Fanini today. And Fabio, with his casual walk, comes out. The national anthems are sung. Rublev is putting the wristbands on. He is out for war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to sign off in style. Fabio, yeah. three games in. In the blink of an eye, it's three love. Three love, yeah. Fabio is just rolling the arm over on the service. Yeah. It really got going. And then, of course, he gets fairly animated as he normally does, getting a bit frustrated, and he just totally outplayed him. And then Medvedev is a different type of player who refuses to celebrate, which is an interesting thing yeah. when you're a sports person. You'd think you'd want to just have a bit of a fist pump and really celebrate, but yeah. if he wins the Australian Open, don't expect it's going to be big. <laughs> he comes out and dispenses a Berrettini. There's something about the Russians. Yeah, so, yeah, Rublev first, like you say, comes out, you know, war horse, bang, bang, you know, um, so, but, but I don't know if you did see, you know, some of the people listening might have, if they were watching that, the coin toss of that match was actually quite funny. Um, you know, Rublev and Fognini were standing there with the coin toss with a young kid and, uh, you know, Fabio was re-gripping his racket and um, the kid, you know, had to give him a high five yeah. and uh, he sort of tapped the kid's racket in a sort of funny way and Rublev lost it laughing. So he completely lost his, um, you know, serious, you know, game face, if you call it. And uh, I suppose that's, you know, the the nice, fresh, young face, the exuberance coming through and very relatable, you know, for everyone watching him. And then, yeah, mm. it just came out and just, you know, smashed the ball, especially on the forehand. Real aggressive, um, was a bit too strong for, for Fabio. And Danny, yeah, Danny's a good friend. I've played doubles with Danny. He's, he's a really good guy, good character. Um, you know, I think his, uh, his, his, his no celebration technique, it's, it's a, there's a bit more to it than that. I know Danny well, you know, practice with him a lot, know his coach well, Gilles Savara, Cavara. Yeah, yeah. Just and, very uh, understated, but I mean, yeah. huge reps on yes, what this yes. guy's so, done. So Danny, you know, the last few years coming up, whatever, he was very prone to, you know, some sledging, some, uh, some, some big tantrums to get really negative and, and really go a bit nuts on the court. And uh, I think they've just tempered that out and said, okay, with that, we're going to try and just mellow you out a bit, mm. try and keep you cool. And that's going to mean even at the end of the match, you're going to keep you cool. So that's just his flatlining the whole way. And that's yeah. sort of become his, his little trademark. And it's yeah. working for oh, him. Can't fold it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Danny, Danny's going great. You know, he likes to play that cat and mouse game, sort of serves big, but then refuses to sort of miss. Hits quality, but doesn't go for too much. Mm. You know, he's not trying to out there smash winners. Mm. He's happy to hang back and run down balls and say to someone, you know, if you want to try out hit me for three, four hours, you know, good luck to you. And uh, he's becoming very successful and, um, you know, with a really big serve as well. So we've seen Medvedev reach a Grand Slam final classic against Nadal in New York a couple of years ago. Um, have you got him ahead of – do you think there's a gap here in Rublev? Or do you think – I mean, some people I spoke to today said to me, do you reckon Rublev can overtake Medvedev in time? Where, where have he got them as players? And then just the contemporaries around him, that next batch. I mean, Zverev was the first one to rise. Then he's been overtaken now. Sitsipas – Obviously, it's a great all-court game. Berrettini's risen to the top 10. 
It's a fascinating pick. Yeah, yeah. Probably a few parts to that answer. So, you know, Rublev, yeah, he probably has more weapons and firepower than, say, Medvedev. Um, you know, Medvedev might even, maybe has the edge on the serve, being even a little bit taller. He's got a great big first serve. He's able to, you know, sort of slap it all around the court. But for sure, Rublev has a you know bigger forehand, and something like that can really do damage. You know, then you look at the likes of Rafa and the, the damage his forehand has done and carried him to all those titles and even Grand Slams over the years. Um, you know, he's got a solid backhand. Pro- probably Danny's got a slightly better backhand. Danny probably moves even slightly better. You know, slightly taller. You know, pretty lean, and uh, just tracks a lot of balls down. But you know, if you're looking at at guys who can really take it to or get around or, or go through someone like Novak or Rafa, yep. um, you know. Rublev's obviously dangerous, and he showed. You know, he, he beat he beat Roger. I think it was last year in Miami or the year before, and um, he's definitely dangerous. And if he keeps improving on that way, he you know he could be someone that sometimes has too much game for someone like Medvedev. But then the other part to that to that answer and that question is uh, a bit the conditions. So the ball speed and the court speed, you know, plays a lot in in probably the answer to that question on a slow court. On uh, you know a heavy a heavy ball a slower court you pro- over five sets you probably might favor someone like Medvedev's style over Rublev's you mm. know he probably might hit himself into too many errors so but this year you know the the court seemed to be playing you know fraction quicker the ball seems to be holding itself really well so well done to um, to Dunlop for their ball because I, I thought you know when they changed yeah. from the Wilson ball yep. to the Dunlop yep. um, it was a pity the Wilson ball was was great it got to a point where it was holding up really well changed to the Dunlop ball and for me it just got really fluffy really quick and that was the consensus among you know all the guys and coaches in the in the in the locker room and uh but now the Dunlop ball seems to be holding itself together and 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 therefore you know the uh, the conditions playing slightly quicker so Rublev Medvedev on the same side of the draw uh potentially uh bound uh for a a quarter final on that side so uh, if they can get through all their opponents, which both have got um, fairly decent draws. They're in red-hot form at the moment. So uh, with Hutchinov at about 20 in the world, who played the ATP Cup last year, uh, they're in uh, pretty good hands uh, at the moment. We're going to need to squeeze in a break in a sec. Um, I'm going to have a chat to Gordon Reid. And I do want to play this grab of Justin Gimmelstop. So we'll get that in in the next uh, 10 minutes or so about the ATP Cup in general. Look, just to sum it up, I mean, last year was unbelievable the ATP Cup. Purely from an atmosphere point of view, I was in Sydney, Brisbane was pumping, Perth was pumping the finals, who'll ever forget Australia v Spain, Dimonor versus Nadal, and then Djokovic in Serbia, that pro-Serbian crowd. This year it's just felt, uh, you know, okay, Tom said a couple of nights inside Rod Laver, there was a bit of atmosphere, I was out on John Kane, there wasn't a lot, obviously it wasn't overly promoted uh, this year, the ATP Cup. And and I'm not sure. I think the tickets were dearer than say the Melbourne Summer Series, but it is here to stay. There's obviously <laughs> there's some stuff we'll get into after the break, but we're sort of got to wipe this year, don't we? It's it's a hybrid well, version. Yeah. They still wanted it to occur, and clearly these teams like playing for their countries. You yeah. can see that. So it's here to stay for a little while. Yeah, look, I think last year, the first first year, and I expected it to be kind of a slow build, a slow grow. But, you know, last year, the ATP Cup went off with a bang. Um, you know, the players were involved. Uh, ex-players were involved. Everyone was there. It was playing. It, you know, the quality was amazing. The spectacle, the viewing on TV was amazing. Atmosphere, amazing. Um, you know, I think that's just absolutely nailed it. If, if you could dream up an event to go as well as that did and, and, and has, um, that is it. So this year, of course, you know, COVID caused a lot of issues. Um, but I suppose if you look at any tennis events the last nine months, 
you know, let's look at something like a Labor Cup, yeah. which was due four or five months ago, yep. cancelled, didn't even take place. So, you know, we've had this week ATP Cup. The quality of the tennis been exceptional. We've seen some great, you know, epic three setters with Novak and Zverev and, uh, in, and um, uh, sorry, and Zverev and Medvedev again. We've seen, you know, the Italian guys, the, the, the French guys, you know, all battling it out. Obviously the Aussies as well. Um, you know, still, still a great event, a lot of amazing viewing on TV and, and the crowds will grow, you know, that, that will come, um, you know, obviously Melbourne's been dealing with, with COVID even, even recently, um, you know, even this last week, but you know, big Aussie open to look forward to. And, uh, you know, I want all the crowds to come out and, and let's get up to maximum capacity. No doubt. We'll come back and have a look at the ATP cap from a, a bigger picture. But if you're thinking of buying, selling or leasing in Melbourne, get in contact with the Collings team. You can give them a buzz uh, tomorrow. They're great tennis fans, Harry and all the crew. In fact, Harry introduced me to Stefan Sitsipas about three years ago. We had him on the first serve, 94862000, or visit their website, collings.com.au. They will certainly look after you. Gordon Ree, we're going to have a chat to Gordon. He's got a great resume. He's been out at the Hume Tennis Community Centre this week in the wheelchair event, and we'll start to really pick apart this draw in the second hour. We'd love your calls, 1300 736 736. Plenty of prizes to give away. First Serve Tennis Sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group. Your open space specialists. At glgcorp.com. The First Serve. Your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. It's our special two-hour edition. We're building up to day one of the Australian Open. It all kicks off uh, tomorrow. We'll go through uh, more of the draw, some of the matchups. Uh, 1300 736 736. If you want to join the conversation, 0433981116 on the text. Uh, we'll get to Sean's in just a moment, but we're going to have a chat to um, Gordon Reid, who's got a great resume, of course, uh, from uh, Glasgow, 29 years of age. Uh, MBE uh, next to his name, if you don't mind. He's a, a Paralympic gold medalist. Uh, he's won Grand Slams as a singles and a doubles player in wheelchair tennis. And I remember uh, Matt Ebden being at Wimbledon about two or three years ago, and you love just floating around the grounds. The, the courts are packed. I mean, 10 deep, just everyone trying to look over his shoulders to see. And yeah. uh, the wheelchair athletes, uh, like the juniors, get uh, get great attention. Mm. That Maybe they, they don't get at the other uh, Grand Slams. I mean, I remember watching the juniors for the first time and, and on court 12 at Wimbledon, and it was absolutely jam-packed. And yeah. This is what they deserve to get because the quality of their tennis is fantastic. And Gordon has been out at Hume this week. Uh, great facility out there, of course, uh, with the um, Melbourne Wheelchair Open, the Victorian Open coming up this week. And, of course, all the athletes will then head to Melbourne Park second week of the AO to take part. Gordon, uh, really appreciate you coming on the show with us. Yeah, good evening, guys. Thanks for having me on. Tell us a bit about your week. I believe you got through to the semifinals. Yeah, yeah, um, I got to semi-finals this week, so uh, yeah, it was just great to get back out and, and play some matches, to be honest, because it's been a while since um, we've had that competition, so uh, a good start to the trip, and another preparation event this week out at Hume, and then obviously on to the, the big one at Melbourne Park. Awesome, mate, yeah, yeah, Matt here, yeah, great to have you, and uh, yeah, you know, just from, uh, you know, obviously I'm at Wimbledon and the Slams over the years. Uh, I heard obviously the news in in the last few years. You know, it was um, for you guys to get on the grass courts or onto the clay. For for some of the people who who, who aren't listening, what's the history been like with the wheelchairs? I, I mean, I know what it's like here in in Australia at Aussie Open, but in Wimbledon and the French, how long has it been going? What have the conditions been like, and how have they changed over the the recent years? 
Yeah, so I think Wimbledon was the last Grand Slam to include um, wheelchair singles. So we've had a doubles event there for for the best part of 20 years. Um, but they were the they only included singles, I think, in 2016. Cool. Um, so obviously for me as a, as a British athlete, it was a dream come true to, to be able to compete in singles there for the first time and then I'm going to win it as well. Um, but no, we, we've, we, you know, we're still relatively new in terms of the Grand Slams. Obviously, we've got a lot of history and, and wheelchair tennis is, is quite a new part of that. Um, but every year, you know, they're they're doing all they can to try and increase the visibility of our sport and uh, give us more opportunities on the show courts and, um, you know, to try and raise the, the awareness of the sport and, and get more people watching it, which is, you know, one of the most important things for us. Yeah, absolutely, mate. You know, tennis as a whole, just it's growing, you know, far and wide and, you know, it's it's so good that everyone can do their part. And, uh, you know, actually I've been to Glasgow where you're from. Uh, I played... Uh, in fact, I think I beat Dan Evans in the final there in a the future there once, uh, a long time ago. It was freezing cold. We played indoors, of course, because it, it was raining most of the time. Um, did did you come from Glasgow? Where were you before coming down to Australia? Um, you know, do you train there? Are you are you fr- from there? And also, what's the what's the situation there like COVID wise? Yeah, was that Scottsdale Leisure Centre you played? Probably, played that probably time? that indoor <laughs> tennis centre. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I actually played my, my. I had my first ever wheelchair tennis session right. in 2005. Yeah, um, I'm from. Yeah, I'm from. I live in Glasgow at the moment. I'm based there. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of my training in London as well at the National Tennis Centre down there with the other British guys. Um, but no, I came straight to Oz from there. Yeah. So obviously it's freezing. It's just snowing back home. So to be able to get out here in the Aussie summer, get outside on the outdoor courts in the sunshine. And get some competitive matches. It's just uh, it's a dream come true, true really. Um, you know, missing it last year, missing the competition. So, and we know we know how much the Aussies love their tennis in the summer. So, exactly. You know, always a always a trip I look forward to. But this year, even more than than usual. Yeah, it makes sense exactly. And obviously, you know, with Australia being relatively COVID-free, and you know, us Aussies, we say summer around Australia. It's it's you know, there's nothing really quite like it. Um, you know, I suppose also for those listening. So, so were you in the same quarantine program? How how were the logistics? Um, you know, for you guys, and and were you allowed out during those? You know, did you guys have access to that five hour gap a day? What what was your quarantine experience? Yeah, so the situation was was exactly the same for us as right. future players. Yeah, and um, we were on the same chartered flights over. Yes. had the same fourteen day quarantine uh, with the same conditions. I think. Yep. We were quite lucky in, in um, our divisions that there were only two players that were in the hard quarantine. Yep. So obviously un- unfortunate for them, but the rest of us had the access to the five hours a day, which right. you know obviously we really appreciate because yeah. we know that there was a lot of um, you know difficulties in getting that organised, and um, you know I appreciate that most people or everybody else that has to come over here and, and do the quarantine doesn't get that opportunity to get outside and get the exercise and fresh air. So, exactly, yeah. Um, you know, it's something that, something that we looked forward to every day and, and really made the most of it. And obviously now we're out, we're just enjoying the, the freedom of the city. Great. Yep. We're joined by Gordon Reid uh, tonight, who's been number one in his sport as a wheelchair athlete. MB alongside his name, he won the Australian Open, he's won Wimbledon in singles, he's won all four... Uh, Grand Slams in uh, doubles, a Paralympic gold medalist. It's a great pleasure to have him on the show tonight. He's here. Uh, thanks to uh, Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, Asti Tennis Courts, uh, trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out A-S-T-E. 
sportsnet.com.au. And a little email, Gordon, popped into my inbox uh, last week. Game, set and action. Scotland's new generation of tennis players to star in a behind-the-scenes video series called Between the Lines, which is really taking people inside your daily life and your fellow Scots in uh, the world of professional tennis. Tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, I'm 29 now, so I don't know if I qualify as the next generation of players, but if they ask me to chip in with, with a couple of uh, vlogs, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, but yeah, I think um, it's just a bit of an, an initiative from Tennis Scotland back home to try and give people, you know, tennis fans and outside of that, a bit of an insight into what it's like to be a full-time player or maybe one of the juniors coming through. So, you know, they'll dish out a few cameras to, to us to, to take out to a few events and I think Johnny O'Mara, um, one of the doubles players that's over here competing in the AO, yep. uh, he did the first one this week. And I think I'm picking up the camera next week. So I'll probably um, do a little bit of filming around the Aussie Open when that gets started next week. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great opportunity just to get a bit behind the scenes footage and yep. um, just let, let people have a bit more insight into you know the going on day to day that um, that we have on the tour. Yeah, Great. All the better. Yeah, mate. Yeah, that, that insight you talk about, I know obviously, you know, being a professional tennis player, the, you know, what it takes, uh, not only mentally, physically, but on our, the tolls on our bodies. And I was in that quarantine too, lucky enough to be out five hours a day, but, you know, just know how, how the body felt getting out in the air and took obviously, you know, quite a few days to get adjusted and the reactions. You know, I have so much respect for what you guys do. Obviously, you know, physically, um, you, you know, you guys obviously got more things to deal with um, potentially. So, how did you find the body? You know, and how did you deal with the body? You know, through that quarantine time, and you know, did you have any physio? Were you able to do lots of stuff in your room? Um, you know, how, how do you take care of your body through a quarantine phase like that? Yeah, I think just in general, obviously, in a normal day, you're moving around so much more because you've, you've got a lot more space to do that. So, I think that was probably the biggest thing for me is that I came out of the the two weeks and a little bit stiff, a little bit tight in a few areas. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a physio with me. I just had my coach, so yeah. I didn't have any treatment over those two weeks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely this week I've I've found a few little, a few little tweaks needed here and there, and, and a bit of physio work and, and massage done this week, um, and probably again next week before I'm feeling hundred percent. But um, you know, I feel I feel pretty. I feel like I came out of it pretty well. Tried to you know keep up as much mobility and stretching. Right. as I could in the room and, and yeah. then obviously just make the most of the, the few hours that we had outside to train as well. So, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, I would have really struggled if I hadn't had that those five hours outside. But, yeah, me too. Uh, all in all, could have come out of it a lot worse. Yeah. Well, you can catch uh, Gordon uh, this coming week. The Melbourne Wheelchair Tennis Open starts tomorrow at uh, Hume Tennis and Community Centre. Of course, you'll be taking on the world number seven from France, uh, currently five in the world. Gordon, take a look, uh, second week of the Australian Open, uh, when the uh, the wheelchair athletes are uh, gracing uh, us, uh, that'll be a fantastic competition, mate. All the very best. Uh, great to hear a little bit about your story. And uh, for those that want to follow Between the Lines, I can tune in to Tennis Scotland's Facebook, Twitter and Instagram channels uh, this week. Uh, there are uh, plenty of uh, behind-the-scenes videos going on, mate. Really appreciate the chat. Thanks, guys. Yeah, cheers for having me on. Good luck, mate. Gordon Reid, he's a, a star, very impressive uh, resume, Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It is one of Australia's premier tournament and training venues, uh, just 15 minutes from the airport. If you're coming into state, you can lob there, train there, accommodations right next door, uh, 16 ITF-sized courts. It's a mini Melbourne park. It's ideal for the travelling coaching groups and families. Check out Hume Tennis. 
.com.au. We'll squeeze into break and uh, we're going to really drill down now on the draw uh, coming up next here on the First Serve. First Serve Tennis Sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Building up to day one of the Australian Open tomorrow, Brett Phillips, Matt Ebden in the studio here tonight. Happy to take your calls, one 736 736 Check out Yarra Tennis Coaching. Shane Scrutney's doing a beautiful job. Yarratennis.com.au. It's Melbourne's independent tennis coaching program. It's out at Eaglemont just off the Eastern Freeway. Uh, whether your backhand's good or ordinary, you can get down and see Shane to look after you. 0414-373-586. Just before the draw. I want to play this little bit of audio. Justin Gimmelstop, people who know their tennis know the name. He played, he became an administrator, heavily involved with the ATP. He's been a commentator as well on ESPN. He coached John Isner for a period. Isner making that semi-final of Wimbledon uh, going back about uh, three years ago. Had a, a fall from grace. So there some things that happened in his uh, personal life that he's done a warts and all podcasts, uh, Control the Controllables, it's called. I recommend you... Take a look at it. There's a lot of good tennis chats there. But he was asked, Davis Cup or ATP Cup? ATP Cup or Davis Cup? Neither of them should have happened. There was a proposal on the table that I brought to the tour and worked with uh, PK and the ATP. There was a deal on the table that should have been able to merge all the events into one. Is a huge failing of uh, huge failing of Chris Kermode and. It is obviously everyone could use COVID as the excuse, but you know this year no ATP Cup, no Davis Cup. There should have been a way to find one event, and that's a huge failing of the sports. Uh, I worked tirelessly to get that done. I thought I had a real opportunity to do it, and um, I think that that was a uh, neither. It should be one. There should be one event, and. If anyone ever wants to know where all the bodies are buried, I could happily explain it to them. But between David Haggerty, Gerard Piquet, if anyone wants to know, ask, ask David Haggerty and ask Gerard Piquet the truth. Ask Craig Tidley the truth. There are things in life that are facts. There's interpretation of facts. There are opinions. There's interpretation of facts and interpretations of opinions. But there are irrefutable facts. I urge people to try and find irrefutable facts, the irrefutable facts of what really happened that created this, this, this absolutely convoluted, chopped up team dynamic that is bad, that is bad for everyone. doesn't mean they don't bring value to certain events, but that the overall sport, that this whole myth of what's in the best interest of the sport. I'll tell you this. There's a couple of things in life that are irrefutable. Number one, whenever anyone prefaces a, a, story, a statement with, in all due respect, you could guarantee the next thing is going to be disrespectful. <laughs> whenever anyone prefaces anything with, it's not about the money, you could guarantee <laughs> most important things about the money. And the equivalent to that in tennis, whenever anyone says, all we care about is what's in the best interest of tennis, you could guarantee that the next thing that's going to be exposed is self-interest. And the absolute failing of the tennis community 
of all of these chopped up team competitions. The good news is I have a dossier of emails and documents and Gerard Piquet, David Haggerty, Chris Cremode, the ATP, the ATP board, they, they're all out there. If anyone actually wants to know what they are, come find me. That'll be maybe in the follow-up podcast. Not sure it's a 33 million emails like Hillary Clinton supposedly had. Uh, that's just a small sample. That podcast goes for about an hour and a half. It's mm. a long, detailed look at on-court, off-court. He's, uh, what, two or three years after um, an incident that happened uh, away from tennis uh, where he was charged. Um, he's trying to recover. Anyway, we haven't got time to go into all the nitty-gritties of all that. But just yeah. a quick, quickly, ATP Cup, yeah. Davis Cup. I mean, Davis Cup is so... Um, we're so passionate about it in this country for very good reason because it goes way back, the origins. And when that uh, famous ITF board meeting was held in Orlando where the votes were being decided, clearly it went against what Tennis Australia wanted. They wanted the the format to stay as it was uh, for the Davis Cup. So the ATP Cup gets created. They're very similar in a sense, not the history, obviously. Yeah but only, what, five or six weeks apart. Have you just got a quick thought on that? Yeah, my, my quick thought is, yeah, you know, Justin, fine, polarizing figure, all sorts happening there. ATP Cup, what was presented last year, and because the ATP is the players' organization and the players buy into that, represent it, want it to be their thing, it's succeeded. Last year was a massive success, yep. and it will follow on that. So I think, if anything, the Davis Cup and the ITF are going to lose out by not giving more or, or sort of giving more, how do you say, um, clout to the players or to the ATP of, of, of how they wanted to see Davis Cup run. And by doing that, they've in a way shot themselves in the foot and then ATP has now gone, you know what, that's not working out for us the way players everything want. We're going to create our own ATP Cup, an incredible event that we have control over, that the players are a part of, are vested in and are making an, an amazing thing. The, the only negative I see is that you lose the name, the Davis Cup, and you lose the history a bit, you know? Mm, that's mm. that's probably the sad part. But in terms of the, the future of the sport, ATP Cup is looking like it. Uh, look, there's lots of politics we could uh, pull apart. I mean, you, you know things I don't expect you to... You know, we haven't got time to really dissect it all. Yeah. I hear a lot of conversations. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating... One thing I, we talk about on this show is the fascinating governing structure of tennis. It's quite unique with all these stakeholders trying to collaborate to come together for the betterment of the sport. It doesn't have a sort of an overarching, um, like AFL commission style group that sit over the top and tick, tick, tick. It's, I mean, there's lots more layers and layers to that yeah. and, and the players versus tournaments. And we haven't got time to you know, pull all that apart, but it'll be just fascinating to see the direction of the sport and where it goes over the next five to 10 years in such a competitive um sporting landscape yeah you know one thing i can say is the atp they're all over that because of the players having yep. such a go at them in the last five years saying you know guys what's going on cracking the whip and being like well we're not going to play that event if you you know if it's not in our interest if it's not vested mm. yeah like justin says sure you know that's the way the world works world works on money world works on self-interest work you know it'd be nice to think that everyone does everything for free and for the greater good of everyone else sure there's parts to that and you can you can donate time effort money yep. betterment of the sport you know we do all want that of course everyone wants that but simultaneously they, they have agendas and things they want to get that's just the nature of life in the world so um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, but I, I hope there is a way to, of course, keep the Davis Cup 
and and things like ATP Cup, you know, even even things like Lever Cup, Federer is shown as such a successful model, and uh, that's a bit the way the ATP is going. So if anything, yeah, you know, from from what I know, it's just the ITF being a bit stubborn in a way and holding on to to older sort of ways or ideas and not letting the the sort of the the present and the modern future. Yep. Um, take place in a way, so I hope they haven't shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, uh, we'll uh, we'll continue to dissect all this. We've got uh, we've got a year to do this on the first, sir. So we'll take a look at the real inside workings of the game. Available now, the sixth generation Yonex V Core Rackets, a toolbox of spin shots waiting to be unlocked. Available at Yonex dealers right around Australia. A break uh, back, and we'll really pull apart this draw. I promise. Next, first serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back, Brett Phillips, Matt Ebden, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We're going to get into the draw. I tell you what, Rod Laver tomorrow. So it's Osaka v Pavlyuchenkova, former World Junior number one. She's made the quarters of all the majors, but Naomi's looking in pretty good nick. Serena Williams, the magical question: Can she get there? I've said I don't think she can, uh, but. I hope she does because I think it'd be a shame if she doesn't get to 24. She still might be regarded as the greatest of all time. She takes on Laura Sigmund of Germany and Dominic Team, of course, so close, two sets to one up in that final against Djokovic last year up against uh, Mikhail Kukushkin. I saw training on Rod Laver today. I think it's his wife who was sitting courtside. Isn't she involved? Uh, Kukushkin's? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, he often has the wife or girlfriend sort of helping him and, and mm. supporting him. Yeah, Dominic Team, like you say, last year in that final, two sets to one, I think even a break uh, in that. In the first few games of the fourth set, but just finally ran, you know, ran out of steam. Even in that fourth set, you could just see the 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 whole two weeks took take took its toll. Yep. He obviously had you know a tough draw, the couple of matches before, a few five setters, and uh, it eventually took its toll. Had he not had those tough matches before, I think yeah, he probably would have gone through and, and win won that match. He, he had the better of it. Um, yeah, incredible matchups tomorrow, Rod Laver Arena. It's it's all happening. So, um, you know, it's going to be exciting. Simona Halep, the uh, very own Lizette Cabrera, who's had some tough Grand Slam uh, early draws. So that's, that's a big one against Halep. And then Novak Djokovic up against Jeremy Shuddy. We'll go through the other Aussies. I want to just run these quick fire past you as we're counting. You know, we had two hours and now we tried to crab a heap into the last half hour. So Ash Barty plays no tennis last year. She wins uh, today. And she's got better and better as the week has unfolded. And I'm looking at her draw uh, match. So she's got uh, Duncan Kovanich, who I think the guy's had on breakfast here in, um, yep. I say, the last couple of weeks from Montenegro. So she wins that, possibly a second-round matchup with Daria Gavrilova. Then looking at, if you're going on seedings, looking at um, Ekaterina Alexandrova, the 29th seed as a third round, possibly. Uh, Kondovat as a fourth round. Pliskova as a quarterfinal. And then looking at a rematch if she got all the way through of Kennan, which was last year's semi-final, which Ash lost. Now, looking at that purely on paper and the form she's getting herself into, and physically she looks good. So she's obviously done a lot of work when she wasn't playing, and now she's added the competition layer. Do you know, I'm getting just a, a little bit more excited about what Ash can do. And there's the expectation because she's the world number one, but the uncertainty because she hasn't yeah. played a lot of tennis. Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, Ash not playing this last nine months, I know even personally, it, it really regenerates you. It revives you physically, mentally too. Um, you know, even 
you know, after heaps of matches this week, you still feel like completely fresh. It's, it's strange. You've got so much energy, so much uh, vigor, I suppose, and, and renewed, you know, energy for the sport and everything. And yeah, Ash has done great after her, you know, exhibition in Adelaide and then coming here, getting through some matches. Um, obviously, you know, Serena pulled out in the semis. That, w- that was a, a bit of a bummer, I suppose, but great for her to get through. But then, you know, to beat Muguruza in the final is, uh, is a great win, quality opponent. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, on paper, her draw, not too many sort of big names there for her this first, you know, few rounds. But, you know, as we know with the girls, it can be a lot of, you know, those, those dark horses, some names there from, you know, this, this Spanish girl, a Chinese, a Czech, an Italian, that, you know, names we're not all that familiar with, but, you know, can be dangerous. Well, I think back to Wimbledon after she won the French and people were thinking three weeks later, well, Ash will just put it back to back. And then she plays Alison Risk. In that fourth round match, yeah, and uh, she got pulled apart. Yeah, I think so. And I, from memory, I think Alison Risk had beaten her even before mm. that. I know Alison mm. Risk's coach actually. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, there's there's always those potential danger sort of matchups, but you know, there's nothing in there that would she would be like, oh, you know, I'm a good chance to lose this match. So I think d- you know she, she'll be a favourite, you know, for quite a while there. Looks uh, looks good. Let, let's take it one game at a time. First week uh, to navigate, first first match to navigate. Just on Serena. I see her stumbling block. So fourth round, if it all went to uh, sort of the setting, she would play Arena Sebalenka. Now Sebalenka is running hot. I mean, had a great end to last year, and she's probably you know, a little bit like Rublev. I mean, she absolutely belts the cover off the ball, trying to maybe add a little bit of subtlety. But to me, she's got, I think, at some point, Grand Slam champion written all over her. I'd, I think she's building nicely. Now that was Serena v Sabalenka. Yeah, it's an she interesting would lick one. Lick her lips, Sabalenka, at yeah, the challenge. Yeah, you know, first week of the year, I think Sabalenka already won a WTA event yep. in was it Abu Dhabi? Yep. Um, right back end of last year as well. Yes, you yeah. know, she's been coming through these last couple of years. Um, you know, obviously, you know that sort of Eastern European Russian background or Belarusian, but yeah, I, th- I think for Serena, it's it's a case of you know, is she in form is she, is she, you know obviously she's got a few matches this week which is is good for her yep. i hope uh, her withdrawal is you know maybe just saving herself for for a slam coming up i hope she's not you know too injured or sick or something but you know i think if serena is fit healthy strong playing a game able to hang and and be be there i think you know it, it's a bit like the federer case he's going she's going to be the favorite to to win those matches even against a, a younger sabalenka but you know as we talked about with rafa you know they're not in their twenties anymore. She's not even almost in her thirties anymore. She's she's almost forty, uh, and had a kid. Um, it's not easy. It's it's a monumental task. So, you know, uh, I it, think it'd again, be a Herculean effort. It, it, for her it, to win it, another it, one. It really would be. It really would be. And you know, people, you, you know, you, see, you you can't really say she can't because she's won so many before. Yeah, you never. It, her it'll in. just be an amazing effort to see her do it. It was an amazing effort when we saw Roger win more, and I really did think he could, but a lot of people think he, you know, thought he couldn't. Yep. Um, so you know, I won't say she will win or she won't, but yeah, I think even those first one, two, three rounds are going to be cru- crucial for her, and I think she's almost, in a way, going to be her her own opponent this tournament. If she can can stay sort of you know physically and mentally well, she could get through deep and and you know get towards the title, but. I think each round could p- present each little little test for her. Yeah, no doubt. If they uh, if they get her moving, get her on her bike, she doesn't want to be uh, running in for those drop shots or stretching to the uh, the forehand or the backhand wing too far. Let's move on to the men. I'll just run a few of these uh, past you, uh, Matt. So, Alexi Poprin, who had a tough year last year and elected not to go to the US Open, he stayed in Europe 
He played a few challenges, didn't really uh, strike any sort of good form. There were a couple of encouraging signs in the Melbourne Summer Series this week. So he's got Goffan, the 13th seed, who's been obviously top 10. Yep. Can you sense anything for Alexi? What are you just, uh, just around the traps? What yeah, you first, yeah, you know, he was in Europe late last year and chose not to go across to the US Open, mm-hmm. which is probably just a six hour flight and no quarantine real issues. So that was surprising for me. Uh, you know, he'd obviously had a good year before that. So I, I'm not quite sure why he didn't. Have, couldn't play then, but that was, you know, not not such a great decision for me. But, you know, obviously had his reasons. Against Goffin, yeah, Goffin's quality opponent, he's going to make you earn it. Uh, yep. You know, I've played him a few times, yep. won one, lost one, I think. And, uh, you know, he's always a tough, tough customer. Over five sets, you're going to have to play, you know, a lot of good sets, not just three. You're going to probably have to play four or five really good ones to, to win three against him. Um, Popperin can do it, uh, especially the courts are playing maybe a little bit quicker. If he's out there in the heat of the day and he's serving big, he's got big serve, big forehand. Yep. Um, you know, it definitely has a, has a chance there, but, uh, you know, a tough battle. Uh, Sinner Shepavella, a shame that one of these has to go out in the first round. I'm a huge Dennis fan. I want him to just take that next step. Sinner, we all love what he's doing at the moment. Quick thought on that? Yeah, me too. So, Shapo, you know, of the next gen that came up in this last few years, people asked me who's, you know, my favourite, and he was the one, yeah. probably my favourite, even over, you know, Zverev or, you know, some of the other guys. Because of the how hard and how aggressively he hit the ball, mm. the first time he came through that Masters in Canada, you know he beat Rafa in the, the incredible match as a you know maybe a 17, 18 year old, and uh, you know practiced with him too, and you know he hits the ball huge, and he's got a lot of weapons. So I'm probably going to pick Chapeau in that one, maybe in you know four sets, maybe five. I just think Sinner had a lot taken out of him this week. Two matches Friday, yep. won the final today. Another one to look at. Interesting first round. Nishikoriov seen a bit in the ATP Cup. This week, only four tournaments last year. I mean, the tennis gods haven't been with him injury-wise in the last two years. He just looks a little bit off. He's playing Carina Booster. I mean, two US Open semis. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the depth of Spain, the Dale sits out, he can come in and, and fill the void very nicely. But what, what do you think's left for Kane Ishikori? Yeah, look, he's a um, great player. I, I think uh, on paper, all things equal there. I, I'm happy with Kay winning that match in probably, you know, well tough, you know, three, four setter, maybe even five, but I think K is, you know, the slightly better player, uh, as long as his body can hold up. So that's, you know, after quarantine, after some some issues, he was potentially not even going to come to Australia. There were some injury concerns. Yep. He's obviously decided he's in okay shape to come. Um, I'd like to see that. He's a, he's a great guy, Kay, good friend. Um, he always has a smile on his face, mm. always chatty and friendly and, you know, heck of a tennis player. But I suppose being being a little guy and throwing your body around as much as he as he, as he has to, yep. to get the results he has, you know, takes a lot of wear. He doesn't have a big serve. He has to work so hard for his points. Um, but great, great player. I hope we see good things from him. Good Thr- first round match. Yeah, booster, and- booster quality player. That'll be a tough one. Good one. Uh, and he, a Spaniard who's done very well on hard courts. Uh, Chilich and Dimitrov. Um, I mean, Marin, he's still there, but he's won a Grand Slam. Um, a question with him as well, what's left. And, and Grigor has had a fascinating career. Uh, everyone thought at one stage he could just be staying right at that top echelon permanently, but he's he's yo-yoed a fair bit, but no denying his great talent. Yeah, ripper match. Um, I'll, I'll try and even watch some of that one if I'm not playing. But, um, yeah, get out and watch that one. It, it'll be quality tennis. They both play aggressive. Marin is one of the most underrated probably players of the last five, ten years. Um, you know, someone asked me the other day, a bit comparison of him and Burdich. Burdich made a few slam finals. Marin's obviously won a slam final here two years ago, final at uh, Wimbledon. Wimbledon as well. There, you know, yeah. And he's won the US Open and been mm. top 10 in a long time. So, again, you know, he's one of these guys got so much game, um, 
just you know putting all, all of it together. His big serve, Dimitrov, similar, you know, yep. amazing, great serve, aggressive player. It's just these fine, fine touches and, and moments, and uh, you know, it just shows the depth of men's tennis. You've got now so, so, so many good players. Um, and you know, these are first round matches. You oh, know, no. these aren't third, fourth quarterfinals. Yeah, yep. these are a lot of these on the outside courts where it's a great value. We'll come back after the break and look at the Aussies for tomorrow. All thanks to Pave World, uh, your leading paving and stone supplier. They've got three great locations Campbellfield, Morty Ellick, and Taylor's Lakes. 25 years of expert service and product knowledge at paveworld.com.au. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Well, if you're heading to the tennis tomorrow and you've got tickets, whether it's the Rod Laver zone, the Margaret Court zone... Can't cross save, you've got to stick in your zone or the John Kane Arena zone. Uh, we're going to give you a little sprinkling of where the Aussies are. We've mentioned Lizette Cabrera, so uh, night session first up. That's a tough one against uh, Simona Halep. So uh, hopefully uh, Lizette can put up a, a really, really good effort. Isla Tomlanovic, who is at the moment at uh, 71. We know she's been ranked a, a lot higher than that. And gee, I've always thought she's had the game maybe to go to that next level. So she's got yeah. Masaki Doi, the lefty from uh, Japan. Oh, yeah. Very winnable. Yes, yes. Uh, she was playing well this week. Uh, she had a, oh, she played, I think, a high seed earlier this week, and she was winning with her chance. She she just lost, but she was playing well. Yeah, I agree. She's a good player. Nick Kyrgios, um, what, what do you make of? It, it's interesting because we get a lot of calls here. He's a, a fascinating topic, obviously, for uh, sports people who like to put him at the top of the conversation in talking about Australian uh, men's tennis. I'll just give you my honest opinion, Matt. He looks underdone. I mean. Anyone who thinks he's going to come out and just steamroll his way through. I mean, his serving is unplayable at times and he can get away with that and win his service games in 20 or 30 seconds. Now, he's got a Portuguese qualifier uh, first up, which he should win. Uh, Federico Ferreira Silva, who's playing his first main uh, draw of a slam. So he should win that. Yeah, so he's a, a small lefty from Portugal. Um, yeah, yeah, Nick's, you know, the one good thing, Nick's got that serve. You know, that can carry him through sets, even best of five. And you know, with the with the balls holding up pretty well, and the courts being being um, you know maybe fractionally quicker this time round, I think it bodes well for Nick. You know, he doesn't want to be out there for four or five hours when he hasn't been you know playing all that much in the last nine months. So that's not a bad start for Nick. And then you know, U- Ugo Humbert after there, yep. I think James Duckworth beat him this week on the slightly quicker courts. So yeah, I saw that match. Yeah, not not a good. huge worry there again for Nick. The guy's solid, you know, but but not a not a big problem. And then obviously then there's you know maybe Dominic team there in the third round. So, mm-hmm. you know, second, third round, it starts to run into some big names, obviously not being seeded this year. Yep. We'll see how he goes. Well, let's uh, let's take it one game at a time. He's hardly played any tennis in the last 12 months. John Millman's got uh, Quarantin Moutet, the Frenchman, who's, gee, 11 players inside the top 100, uh, France. He's the youngest of them. He's had a good run making the semis of the uh, Murray River Open this week, but that'll be... Uh, Nice yeah, that, that that'll be a grind. He's a really strong competitor, a really small little uh, left-handed Frenchman, Moutet, but um, feisty and, uh, you know, battles yep. really hard. He believes in himself. He runs all day. Um, you know, he's it's going to be a, a lot of long rallies, that one. Milman, obviously, you know, grinding grinding his way around, but Moutet is a real grinder too, yep. backs himself physically, loves the grind, loves to, to fight and work. So 
that'll be a that'll be a battle. Alex Bolt, I mean, third round, uh, the crowd in a frenzy two years ago, takes team to five last year and had a real window there to win that, and team goes on to make the final. Uh, it's got uh, Norbert Gombos, the Slovakian, the top-ranked uh, male Slovakian, winnable one for Bolte, absolutely. Yeah, for me, that's one of the probably the best draws of the Aussies, um, just looking at it on paper. Um, Gombos, you know, obviously, you know, he's got to be a, a good player to have got in, inside the top 100 there, and, you know, Bolt being the wild card, but... Uh, you know, I think at home in these conditions. The one thing about Gombos, he does, you know, quite a big guy, good serve. So the, the slightly quicker conditions, he, he won't mind those either. But um, very winnable match there for Alex. Yeah. Right, time on the fly for us to just dissect the rest. I'll just give yeah. you a quick uh, barrel to play. Rebecca Marino is playing, I think, her first Grand Slam match in about eight years. Uh, left the sport and has come back. Uh, got a fascinating story to tell. So, And fingers crossed Kim Burrell can just uh, have the injuries behind her now. James Duckworth has got uh, Demir Jumho, who's got in as the lucky loser. A great story from Bosnia, if you don't know his tennis story, the way yeah, he yeah. rose in that country. Bernard yeah. Tomic, uh, just a really quick word. He's got Yuichi Sagita, who actually tested positive for COVID, oh. missed going to Turkey, right. got himself sorted, got to Australia. He there will you play. Go. Yeah, solid Japanese player, Sugita. Yeah, Bernie, you know, I hit with him last week. I watched his qualities matches even uh, in Doha. Yep. Battled through it. Got to give it to him. Um, you know, he didn't look super fit or physical, but he tried the whole way through. Got through those three matches, which is a tough ask. So, you know, I think he's looking good for that one. And Mark Polmans and uh, Martin Fucevic. That is going to be a beauty. In fact, Fucevic was out training with Casper Rude today. He's just a hard nose. He's a good player. He's and a good player. Mark, That'll be tough for Mark. Mark um, will be going all day at the Legionnaires' yeah. cap. Mark is Mark is uh, you know going to battle that one, but tough draw. Thank you, Matt. Sure, Been great. Matthew Ebden. Uh, we'll see him at the Australian Open. He'll be part of our team as well. We'll talk to you tomorrow night from 6. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.